All right, so I guess uh, I guess we're going to continue with part two here. Part two, episode of, 11. Of uh, feminism. I'll just do the disclaimer again. <laughs> if you didn't listen to the first one and you're listening to the second well, episode. You should go back. But. Uh, trigger warning. Do your own work. This is like maybe hard conversations or hard things to hear. But if, if important we're fucking things. lesbians and we can say this, then fuck you. Okay? Because if we can get to this point, then then you should be able to get to this point. Am I wrong, though? I mean, really, like, yeah, come on, point. man. Like, I mean, it's just, you got to... I think people are scared to say certain things because they aren't... Like, for us being gay or in, you know, same-sex marriage, when we talk out about the LGBTQ plus alphabet, whatever, um, it gives people this sense of ease to know that they can also speak Mm. out about certain things too or when they also, maybe when they don't agree with it, they Mm -hmm. feel like safer to be like, yeah, Yeah. like what's going on? Definitely. So anyways, we're going to do part two because we actually had so much information from our last episode that we didn't get to touch on like... um, Quite a bit of stuff, especially around our culture, pop culture, um, and other kind of movements that are happening during during the recent times. So, um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start? Okay, let's start in the um, let's start with the sixties, because I think what I think what what we had kind of planned was like to go through this kind of timeline of these events throughout the decades that kind of got us to where we are. So I think that's valuable to kind of see because I think people are a bit, that first episode might have been a bit much and people might be like, whoa, that was a lot. How are we here? And maybe this might help to kind of give women an understanding in a way that maybe they can relate it to their own lives and see the stages. So more context. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, so... This is going to be a good one because there's going to be some awesome conspiracy theories in here that are really valuable. So, okay, let's go 60s and 70s. So this is when kind of the big, um, there's always been like women's suffrage movements and stuff like that, but this is like the women's rights movement, okay? Um, so we have same time, we have hippies, like the hippie movement, peace, love, sex, but I think it was like more like peace, love, rock and roll. Peace, drugs, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all of this sexual liberation. Okay, we have all this going on. The same time Hollywood is existing since the 30s, obviously, or a little bit before that. But Hollywood's starting to get big, kind of hit its own trajectory. Mm-hmm. LA, California, that whole scene out there is starting to really take off. And um, some interesting things that I've learned over the last few years um, is that the CIA involvement in all of that, CIA in Hollywood and the CIA in music, like that's fucking crazy. That was a big eye opener when I started to learn about that. That's cool, right? Yeah. Like, not cool, but like it's, it, it, it's not cool. It's more like, oh, think about it. Like when people say, like I, I know people that are like, come on. But think about how simple this is. You take, you know, five to ten bands, and you really only need three to five. Like, there was really the Beatles, uh, the Doors, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can take three, three to five bands and that really was all that they needed. But Jim Morrison, The Doors, his dad was CIA. So you have all these high-ranking CIA officials and their their kids are either MK Ultra. If you don't know what that is, do your fucking homework. Their kids are MK Ultra, mm-hmm. either into these programs or voluntarily. I don't know. Um, and then Marilyn Monroe is another one. Like Marilyn Monroe's history is really crazy. Whether or not she was CIA, I don't know, but for sure MK Ultra. That poor, poor girl. That girl was so abused as a child that by the time she got to the age of, you know, 20, she would be ripe for the picking because she would be so, like, fragile. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff I heard about her is, like, is crazy. Um, but so, so think about it. So you go from my mom, she's born in the 50s, and all she wants to do is be a mom, and then the 60s roll in. And hippies, girls are starting to dress way different. Just think about mm-hmm. Mad Men. Think about the class of the 50s. Mm-hmm. Think about how those women looked in those like pencil skirts and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I liked that look in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I wonder if you're a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to wear the guy's suits. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, you go from that and then all of a sudden you're in the 60s, 70s and all the women are starting to dress super different. It's all about promiscuity, sex, um, drugs, music, festivals, um, and the, and think of like the, the parents and the grandparents of those mm-hmm. kids. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, grandpa, you gotta get with the times. Like, think about what those people were like saying that music, remember, remember watching movies and stuff, I remember, where the old people of those times would say a, a common theme was, was music was Satan. It was like the devil's work. Think right. about that. Yeah. And now that we know that the CIA was behind the music is behind the music industry, think about that. For somebody who's listening that doesn't know any of this, can you explain that a little bit? Like how is the CIA related to the music well, industry? Well, I just told you, for example, for just an easy example is that Jim Morrison's father Mm -hmm. was CIA. So you have these people in these high-ranking positions in the CIA, and they're putting their plate... It's it's no different than a lot of other things. They're placing those people in those roles. Okay, this guy's going to lead this band, and we're going to make it famous. Think about all the poor bastards that have to make that shit work, that have to travel in, like, little tour buses and shit for years. These guys are literally placed there. They're signed by the, the guys, and they're given copious amounts of money so that they can make them sound good and all of their they're not writing the music they have writers and it's demonic they're changing the hurts they're cha- they're adding these beats they're saying spells they're they're casting spells by the verses repeating themselves there's there's so there's well, so and, much going on there well so music is really catchy and if you think about your own childhood and you listen to a song from your childhood, you can sing it right away. Dude, remember the right? cassette days? Rewind, rewind, rewind. Yeah, yeah. And, and kids, we're, we're so open to programming. We're, yeah. we're so moldable as children. 
And the music industry is one powerful way to alter your consciousness. And the lyrics that people were singing over and over and over again, those are spells, like our word, like spelling, like they're, they're spells. Yeah. They, when we bring our consciousness into uh, words and out loud, it's, it carries more power. And so the songs, and if you watch the music lyrics over the ages, they are constantly changing. And they're also getting dumb. <laughs> like and demonic. Get, and dumb more and demonic. And demonic. Um, <clears throat> dumb and demonic, yeah. But the, the idolization of the music industry is another key component to that because that was a big infiltration into the sexual liberation yeah. movement. Uh, say like Madonna and okay, so so move into the seventies and eighties then go yeah. ahead go well that, so like that but that that that's it like that was the sexual liberation people were no longer idolizing their elders or the grandparents or people that carry like significant movement or for teaching teachings experience. yeah it was around uh, fame and fortune who's gonna bear the most who's gonna bear it all that's who we will be attracted to that's who we're going to idolize. So when you get into like 70s and 80s, Madonna is a perfect example. So she's like, yeah. first of all, everybody's Catholic at this time. Like a lot of people in North America are Catholic. And then you've got this Catholic woman who's mm -hmm. coming out basically like denouncing kind of Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know where you came from. Um, she's, remember like the cone? I, I always remember the cone breasts. Do you remember the, the outfit where she wore those I dressed cones? as hers when I was in, I think, grade seven. I was great for her, for Halloween. I had, you had um, the cones? Yeah, you know what I used for them? Oh my God. You know, um, kids' cups, the plastic cups that had like the lids that were shaped like a cone, <laughs> then you put the straw in? Yeah. I put the, like two of those. Like a slushy cone kind of? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. And I think I wore one of my mom's black tight dresses and I put those in and then put red lipstick on and I had a blonde wig, I think. Oh my God. I can't believe that was I, my costume. I can't believe your mom let you wear that. I probably wouldn't be like her daughter's age when I did that. Maybe even a little, a little bit younger. Yikes. So, but that, that was but think like. think about that. That's what. Hypersexualization, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, but then that's the era. Okay, so that's perfect. This is the era where um, we start to see kids' pageants coming in. The um, you you said who's John Bonet Ramsey? You, I can't believe you don't know who you know who that is, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, okay, this is what people hate. You're you're distracted. Can you focus? I'm sorry. You're like the you're we're live right now. I know. Well, I just want the dog to lay down. Killing She's my dying. vibe. Sorry. Go, John Bonet Ramsey. John Bonet. Ra is that right? No, it's Benet, not Bernay. <laughs> <laughs> and we were there in Colorado. Like, we were right there. We were in the heart of where, like, we were right where it happened. Because I remember I asked, um, I asked uh, your Aunt Debbie. Um, and she said it happened when we had had lunch in that small town, wherever that was. And it, that's where it happened. We had had lunch there. Evergreen? No. Oh. By the mountain, by, by, by where we skied, by where we stayed. Anyway. Anyway. Boulder. Uh, Boulder. Boulder. That's what yeah. it was. Boulder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is the this is the era of sexualizing children. So we have all these little girls in pageants and we're dressing them like I always thought that was so strange. And that was my mom with me, not in pageants, but my mom always wanted to dress me like a doll, put makeup on me, curl my hair. 
up until I could say, up until I, probably grade two, three, is when I think you can kind of force things on kids. Like that's, I, I, I and then I think after that, that's when the kids kind of like, yeah, I'm doing my own thing now. So if you look at my pictures in school from like up until <laughs> things start getting rough around grade three, <laughs> but up until grade three, it was always like this perfect glamour shot headshot of like, I remember I'd have to sleep in, uh, curlers the night before. <laughs> oh, fuck. I would have loved that. I want, I bought the curlers. You should have had my mom and I should have had your mom. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, my mom calls makeup war paint. um okay so 80s we have uh we have women they're they're really entering the workforce now we're we're sexualizing we're sexualizing the kids um we're bringing the kids into school much earlier now now you're going in there never used to be jksk right all of a sudden in the 80s that's when jksk starts coming that didn't exist kids didn't go to school my mom didn't go to school till i think she was six or seven years old now they're three years old Okay. So that's happening. Um, so earlier brainwashing and separating from family. That didn't feel natural. I remember my first day kindergarten, that did not feel natural or right. Mm -hmm. Well, think about all the kids screaming like, hello. Yeah. It's scary. You're it's scary. Yeah. There's no like, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause it's almost like I, I was just caught myself. I was saying, well, Abby had a good time. So she had a healthy attachment where I'm like, oh God, was she just used to me dumping her <laughs> and leaving her? And she was just like, oh, is this just another place you're leaving me? Right. But that's not true. She's always at my mom's. So I don't know, but she was, she adjusted. Like there was no big scene that day. Right. Remember, I mean, her dad was supposed to go pick her up at lunch and bring her home. Right. Um, because she, she wasn't going to gonna stay. And then she's like, I don't want to go. I, I want to stay. She, she was having fun. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but uh, so separating from family, family values, family bonds. Okay. Not cooking, takeout food, TV dinners, nutrition's declining. Um, monocrops are going up. Breastfeeding. This is like 90s. This is 80s. 80s? Breastfeeding is down. It's taboo. Formula is up. Allergies. Are they going to be coming on the rise? Um, gut health. Uh, what's, you know, no colostrum in all of these babies that are born in the late seventies, early eighties are not getting even in the sixties. Like this was breastfeeding was very taboo over this time. Well, the medicalization of the birth, the birthing process, like of what our bodies are so designed perfectly for has been medicalized and institutionalized and uh, like deemed dirty almost that's so we kind of skipped into the 60s but really that's in the 50s that's mm-hmm. that's when this happens this yeah. is this is when the history of that is um if you care to know so doctors all of a sudden in the 30s 40s and 50s we start having a lot more doctors this is like this wasn't a big career for people before this time okay doctors were not there wasn't I would say like now they're kind of a dime a dozen, even though we still struggle to find doctors here. But back then, it just wasn't a field that people were going into. So all of a sudden, you have Rockefeller universities mm-hmm. opening all these medical schools. So they're, they're, they're graduating all of these doctors, okay? So where do they go to work? They don't have jobs, okay? So they have to create private practices, okay? So doctors create private practices, but what do they do? Okay, so doctors need something to do. This is 100% true. The doctors need something to do. So, again, 
Rockefeller, they start medicalizing things that were never medicalized before. So they just, they're just looking for things for the doctors to do. Birth used to be a woman's right. Mm -hmm. It used to be done by women Mm -hmm. only, Mm -hmm. with women Mm -hmm. only, Mm -hmm. okay? And so you'd have midwives coming into women's homes. Mm -hmm. They didn't leave their home Mm -hmm. and they would be giving birth in home. Yeah, like birth doulas, yeah. Yeah, so 50s come and then all that's changed. They're taken into the hospitals. This is also the first era that women are giving birth on their backs, okay? Women have never up until the 50s given birth on their backs. Get this. I don't even know if you fucking know this, but... I do. I'm shaking my head. I know where you're going. Okay, in stirrups with their fucking legs tied. Tied. The women are tied down on gurneys with their legs in in stirrups to give birth. And then medicated. And then then medicated. But I don't even know if they were medicated at the beginning. I'm not sure if that was, I'm not sure. But, um, and I know from my own personal birthing experience that, like, I can't imagine being stuck on my back. Um, That's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Like. It's not natural. Oh my God. Okay. So 60s, 70s, 80s were were here. Like, this is a problem. Breastfeeding. Um, Now we're going like 70s to 90s and we have... Um, children raising themselves, obviously the brainwashing through TV. You, you said it last night, MTV, much music. Oh yeah. That was like my, that's what I, I would watch the music videos and go, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. Oh, that's what's cool. Oh, that, that's how we learned everything. That was what, yeah, that was our pop culture. That's, that was what infiltrated our psyche as what we should become. Yeah. Yeah, or yes. what's beautiful, or what's cool, yes. or what's wanted. Oh, what's, what's she wearing? Oh, yeah. I gotta go get those pants. Oh, yeah, and like consumerism. Yeah, boom. And that's when mm-hmm. it was really hard to have yeah. consumerism because there wasn't a lot of supply, and well, there wasn't a lot of supply. Lots of demand, hard to get it. Like for example, you you don't know what I'm saying. If you wanted like the new starter jacket, do you know what I say when I say a starter jacket? Are you serious? A pullover starter jacket? Okay, think of like a football team. And in the 90s, yeah, okay, so everything was Starter, the brand, and they were all pullover, okay? So if you wanted, like, a Notre Dame Fighting Irish pullover, Starter, you know, and you went to Masonville, there was one store, there was one mall, and and actually Masonville didn't even exist back then. It was more like Argyle Mall, because Masonville didn't exist. And there would only be, like, two or three mediums. Do you know what I mean? And there was only one or two stores to go to. There was no internet. There was no, okay? So, like, you know, that was, like, the supply and demand problem. There was all this, you know, demand, but there was hardly anywhere to go get it. I grew up in a small town, so, like, the clothing store I went to was Northern Getaway. (laughs) (laughs) Northern, remember Northern Reflections? Yeah. Northern Reflections, Northern Getaway. Yeah, like that. Oh my god, that's where my grandma Animals shop. on my shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I love that store. Yeah, me too. Well, there was a time when Northern Getaway was cool, though. That was yeah. in the 80s. Mm. Remember, like, uh, tree, tree Torns? Do you remember those shoes? No, you don't remember those. They came back around a few years ago. But those Northern Reflections sweaters, and there was one in Argyle Mall, and those were pretty cool for a while. Campus Crew, that was the 90s. Anyway, oh, yeah. We're getting off topic. We're not, we're not even, we got to get back. It's MTV, though. MTV and that that really was a formative time because it really was everything this is I I do remember being a kid Mm -hmm. and I do remember my friends and the TV being everything Mm -hmm. just like now their phones are everything 
Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. Like yeah. they were programming us then mm-hmm. with the TV mm-hmm. and our parents were telling us and the grandparents mm-hmm. were telling us, but everybody was slowly getting roped in. Even the people that knew it was bad were getting roped into it. Just like some of the language around watching TV, tell a vision, to tell a vision or like I got to watch my program. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's all, it's all programming your psyche. Yep. Newscast. Right. Spellcast, newscast. Yeah. Um, uh, Okay, so uh, this is one. Sex stores. This is the 90s. So I can remember Mm. when the first stag shop, I don't know if that's what it was called, but opened on Dundas Street in East London. And I remember that back then they had to have a little bit of class and the door and the windows and doors were just black. But they said XXX in big, right? You knew, like, they had XXX. That was no secret. But they didn't show anything. And then gradually over the 90s to 2000s, it went from blacked out windows to blacked out behind the display so you couldn't see in the store. But then they had the mannequins in the window. And now they have no blacked out behind the mannequins. They're showing everything. And they show everything. And so... Even like, you know, when, you know, we drive by the store with, with the kid, um, you know, she knows and we kind of joke about it now because it's, cause she knows mm-hmm. not like in a, like, oh, sex store, but she, she, she kind of goes like, ugh, like, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, it I doesn't, know, it's so like, fucking gross. It feels gross. It feels right? wrong. And, it feels dirty. Well, and because it's lower vibration. Yeah. Or we see the, the city bus if we're ever in town and we see the the stag shop bus like that's just so gross okay this is the other thing that happened that that, that that's gradually happened I'm, I'm skipping ahead so this is fucked but no i just want to say those that's yeah. all like normalization of fetishes i know you're you're absolutely right yeah you're absolutely right and that's that's exactly right it started in that time yeah. they, they 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 drop the breadcrumb here mm-hmm. and then it just progresses but you're mm-hmm. right and here's mm-hmm. how it progressed so we talked about the store display mm-hmm and the bus. Mm-hmm. Think about the radio. Okay, we don't listen to the radio a lot, but in the old ca- in the older car, sometimes before we put the thing in it, you know, mm-hmm. in the matrix, right? And you have to listen to the radio. Yeah. Okay. If you listen to FM ninety six, I think it's disgusting. They have stag shop commercials. Really? So I'll yeah. So I'll be listening like it was when I would be driving with the kids somewhere, and um. And it would be like, like, I can't really remember what the ad would be, but I would turn it right away because it was. It's inappropriate. It was saying stuff that like I, yeah. I, I did not want her to hear. Right. So I would turn it. Yeah. So it's obviously not, not just a very innocent stag shop, 30% off this weekend, come into the store, see you then. Mm-hmm. It's obviously like way more. Um, graphic. Yeah. Graphic, yeah. provocative yeah. than. Yeah. insinuation insinuative so it's like, become like part of our like mainstream normalcy yep. which again is uh desensitization around uh sexuality and that's supposed to make women feel empowered so driving by so this is what the sexual revolution and women's rights movements did was now it it allows me to dress in those scandalous outfits that i could have before they had those before lingerie wasn't invented in the 60s um so I don't get it. Like now, now I can do it in public and that's, that's making me free. 
Well, it's really inverting. It's re- the, the sexual revo- revolution has completely inverted what love revolution is. It's sex. They've turned love into yeah. the, the, the uh, act of sex. Yeah, instead of a connection, you know? And um, if you think of like pornography and how our, our brains work and what we... Sex. You what, say porn and I say sex. Yeah, so what we... And what it's we know... It's so connected. It is. And like the research is showing like the, the brain, when you orgasm through watching pornography, it, there's adrenaline happening too. And I believe that when that happens, um, old ways of the connection, because it's association with your brain and the orgasm, that when you have that uh, as part of like your orgasm routine, um, what was once satisfying is no longer mm. satisfying. And so you need to up, up it the ante. constantly. And, right. And that's why these men can't get off with real women. Because, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they're using pornography to to have that excitement. and But it's actually destroying their libido. That's why like a lot of men that are doing their healing work aren't watching porn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's real. Like nobody yep. should be watching porn because that's not what sex is. That's no. not what intimacy is. That's not what like healthy erotica is like that. That's that is fetishes and that's low vibration mm-hmm. and that is destroying not only your psyche but your own physical your body's aura. Like it's it's lowering your your frequency. In this book that I'm reading right now, the the author talks about how feminism um, helped to create pornography and like the sexual revolution and how the sexual revolution never actually benefited women. It actually only benefits an elite percentage of men. And think about this Mm. because only two out of three men are statistically having sex. So that means one third of men are out there able to have kind of choice between who they're having sex with. So they're like these alpha male um, athletes or who, you know, good looking guys that are out at the bar hooking up on a regular basis, but that's only one third of guys. So the other two third of two thirds of men actually are not. Hmm. So the sexual revolution only helped and those men, okay, so let me get back to that. So those men, that one third of men that are having sex the women that they're having sex with are reporting that they feel, uh, the wording here, they feel violated used after the encounter because they don't feel like they've been raped because they either somewhat consented to it or felt obligated to consent to it, okay, because they got to the place. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we're in the bed. So I've gone this far. Like I've gotten here. Like if I say no, that's not really fair. You've said that you've been in that position. We've talked about that before. Like mm-hmm. number of women that we've spoken to have said mm-hmm. that that's a common thing for them to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also common apparently for these women to be saying that they're not enjoying the way that these men are having sex with them. They're not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. The men are having sex with them like they see in pornographic videos. Yes. And those women are not having experiences that they feel connected to. Right. So they're feeling dirty, shameful, used mm-hmm. after these encounters, mm-hmm. yet they keep going back to the same... Because that's what they think is what's desirable. Yeah. So they keep going to the bar right. to have sex with the same third of the men when the other two-thirds of the men out there that aren't having sex 
would, now they're still watching porn, but because they're not having sex, they would be more open to your, you know, discussion of how you'd like to have sex versus how they think, you know. Yeah. I think we've gotten so confused around what healthy sex is. Yeah. 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 We don't, we have no idea. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So in the seventies, so in the sixties, gay, gayness is still unacceptable. Maybe I should call it homosexuality. still a bit taboo in the yeah. 90s um like for example the guy from insync like like everyone knew he was gay <laughs> <Yeah>. but like <laughs> lance? lance even his name was gay but like nobody can it's like bruce like you for sure know if there's a bruce jenner like fucking perfect example it doesn't get much gayer than that um so gay is still taboo in the 90s but like it's it's um becoming less it's not as still taboo but you know that you can't catch aids anymore from their breath so you're not that worried anymore okay so then this is where it gets interesting so now we're 2000s and um now let's talk about the health issues going into into the 2000s so now we're Mm. we're like in these next generation right so all of a sudden um we're having more health issues we have big pharma coming through. Big pharma. Monocrops being <clears throat> um, like mass produced, mass mm-hmm. productions taking off. <clears throat> Sorry. Speaking of that, we never really mentioned in the 90s is the introduction of pain medication and antidepressants because that's when it really started. Like big time. Yeah. And, and psychedelics why? were class A type substances. Yeah. But think about this. So women, we forced women out of the house into work in the 70s and the 80s. Right. And now every woman in the 90s is depressed and anxious and on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. Because they're not establishing security and safety. They have no security. They have no safety. They have no husband. They have no house. They have, but they've got a career. So now we see this onset of all this. That's crazy, eh? I just just kind of put that Yeah, because mental health keeps going up. Like mental health issues continue to rise and more and more diagnoses, like new diagnoses are coming in. Mm -hmm. This is like the era of the diagnosis in the 90s. And then then big pharma, right? Because Medicaid, Medicaid, Medicaid. So 2000s were coming in. Go ahead. If you had- well, and then, so monocrops in the, the food industry. So more, there's more control over different systems that we that we live in. So the food system, the education system. Talk about like ADHD and kids. Well, yeah. So kids that um, were struggling in class, like we also know that like food has changed a lot of um, yeah, our, oper- like, it's, right? Like the connection to our, our diet yeah. has changed. And then we yeah. have kids that are having like sugar cereals and going to school and bouncing off the why? fucking walls. And why are they having sugar cereals? Because mom's not home. So mom's right. at work. Easy breakfast. They're gone. You're kids eating are... in front of the TV. Yep. Yep. They have lunches that are uh, pre-made, right? Full of preservatives yeah. and all that stuff. Fucking flakies. Remember flakies? Yeah. yeah. Flakies. Gushers. Um, oh, I grew up with all that Gushers. Stuff. I loved gushers. Fruit roll-ups. Yeah. Oh my God. I take Mr. Noodles and eat them raw. Oh. That was my favorite. Yeah. So like we grew up with like the diets, the nutrition just dropping significantly and health issues rising significantly. So there's correlation. So now now 2000s, all of a sudden we have kids on medication that we never saw before. Like this was never a thing in the nineties and eighties. I, there was one bad kid, Mark Monez, and that was it. I know like that was the kid. 
<laughs> yeah, like there's only a handful it. of kids that really struggled in my elementary school. Like I can yeah. remember that. But now if we look at all the kids that are on medication going to school, you have to ask, like, that's not normal. That's not healthy. No. That's not natural. That's not our human nature to be on all these medications. But if you think of like the main school education system, I think it only, it's either one or 4%, I can't remember, that, that it actually works for. Out of the whole right. population of kids, it's only geared to one. Like the geniuses, that's it. Yeah, that can sit still and that are like just academic focused. Yeah. Whereas all the kids that are bouncing off the walls, it's because they learn through doing. We learn through play. Just like, that's yep. like we learn by um, exploring. Like that's how we learn and, and challenge ourselves and grow and experience and figure things out. That's like problem solving skills. But so we, we have to experience mm-hmm. it. But so a lot of the kids that are bouncing off the walls, what do we do? We put them yep. into a category of saying there's something wrong with you because you don't fit in the box. So we're going to give you something to help you fit in the box mm-hmm. rather than say, hey, what's actually going on for this child? Yeah, yeah they were, they're forcing us to adhere to their new ideologies of our, of our roles. And they've been doing it. Every generation, they're doing it more, right? Like we watched that documentary and it had, you don't remember, but do you remember the show In Living Color? Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. I, I thought we just, oh, my bad. Different world. A different world. Oh, no. A different world. Another black show. <laughs> Whit, uh, Whitney? Uh, okay. Anyway, so those of you that do know, um, we watched this documentary last night and it talked about it, but it was a perfect example of how in the, in the 90s, they were conditioning us to choose the path of career versus family. So this show is about um, a bunch of black kids in college in the 90s, a different world it was called. And there was one girl named Whitney that was from the South, okay? And the whole time she was at college, she was really like looking for a husband. Mm -hmm. That's what she was doing. And at the very end of the four years, I remember the guy, I remember the actor, like his face. We saw it in the video last night. I was like, oh yeah, man. It's this hot black guy. And he's like courting her. Mm-hmm. And they take her into this room and they're like, you you can't do this. Like you need to say no. You need to focus on your career. Like you don't want to get married and then just have kids and be pushed into this life. You, you need to live. And that was that was the show is them trying to like convince her that she needed to to not... Go, settle down go with this with the role that she innately felt right the role that she wanted to go towards that was pulling at her right because that's all she wanted right the whole fucking series was about her like being this southern woman that was just different than all of these new york and la girls that wanted these careers and at the end it's like no conform 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 wow talk about programming we're, we're, so anyway, and, and then we're, we're getting back into the 2000s where now internet is starting to become more available because internet was in the 90s. We had it, but we hardly used it because well, it took fucking up. eight years to get on. <laughs> so by the time you got on, you could you could start up, go out and play road hockey for two hours, come back, and it'd be like 99%. You'd be like, sweet. Yeah. Um, check so, my email. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Check my one email and then go off because there was nothing else to do. Yeah. Nothing else to do. I remember when, like, you could go to, like, Nike.com, but it was, like, just a swoosh, and, like, they didn't even have a store. Like, you couldn't shop online. You just went on their website to look at... What they had. What, but, but you weren't even doing that, because it wasn't even like that's that. Not, yeah, they might right. have had a highlight of a couple of items in their fall line, but it wasn't about selling. It mm-hmm. wasn't commerce. It was, mm-hmm. like, 
marketing marketing yeah. yeah i don't anyway um so porn is like i, I remember uh uh napster and i can remember uh finding porn that my brother downloaded on our computer on our family computer from napster and that was like i was like oh sweet uh that's how i like if i could find anything that my brother downloaded um because i didn't know how or i was afraid yeah. That like that notice sometimes you get a notice that said like we noticed some suspect activity. And you'd be yeah. like, Oh shit. <laughs> um but that's also the era of like dance moms, uh MTV uh teen moms, right? That show, which is like idolizing wow. idolizing having sex as teenagers. Right? Like that's so that was a that was weird. That is, that is a, yeah. That was weird. Um, sail, remember we were talking about Sailor Moon. Like. I love Sailor Moon and it was so hypersexualized. It's so hypersexualized. Yeah. They're so hot. They have huge yeah. tits, little waists, big asses. Like that's really strange looking back on it now. That's like Barbie. Yeah. Like that's not, yep. like that's like little girls idolizing oh, that. Britney Spears, hit me baby one more time, 16 years old. And a little, like. Yeah, schoolgirl school outfit? outfit. Come on, tied that up. girl is yeah. that girl's basically in a porno. She's MK at sixteen Ultra. years old. Yeah. MK Ultra for sure. Yeah, because she's in the Disney Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah, they're all yeah. She got sent to New York alone. Get this, I think it was eight years old. It might have been seven, and then for sure at twelve, hundred percent guaranteed at twelve alone. Oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine sending sending her, her to New York to, to work on these shows alone without any wow yeah so anyway but um, she was like she was like my idol growing up same with like christina aguilera that was like my time just think know? of how sexualized those All girls are super at 16 years old yeah and we would like we would dance like that we would dress like that like like that was our, our role models not not who strong. okay go back to the 50s who was the role model? Or the 40s? Or the 30s? Or the 20s? Who was the role models? Grandma. Mother. Mother. Mother and grandmother. Those were the role models. Mother Teresa. <laughs> I don't think... Well, yeah, I guess I, so. You she know, was, but like important no. people. Nuns? Nuns. No, for sure. Know, like, like, no, for sure. Prominent women in the community would have been like a, a midwife type woman, like a, a medicine woman. Yeah. Um... You know, but but then all of a sudden, there's no more idolizing those people. It shifts very quickly to these Hollywood figures, yeah. right? Um, okay, 2010, um, women have careers, money, very active sex lives. Um, uh, girl, maybe that says girlfriends, I don't know. Uh, alcohol, partying, uh, Netflix, um, house. Okay. So women are living these lives. They have everything that the feminist movement promised them that they would want. So right. they achieved the goals of feminism in, by around 2010 to a degree, okay? And then, you know, we start noticing, again, this, this incline of depression and unhappiness. So as women continue to achieve, you know, the, the feminine dream, mm -hmm. they, they continue to suffer mentally, they're getting fatter, they're getting sicker, they're getting more depressed, they're getting more anxious. Drinking more. 
this whole era of drinking, this is all women do. They get together to drink. They don't get together to can, to learn skills, to go shooting, to go hunting. I mean, I know a few cool, cool women who do, but let's just be fucking honest. The majority of women are fucking drunks and they just get together and drink. They don't get to, and they gossip about other women. They don't get together and talk about how to build other women or how to build their skills or build themselves up or build themselves. They get together and they talk shit and they drink and they, and they take in the negative spirits of alcohol, Mm -hmm. which in like infuse it all. Well, spirits are, um, like alcohol are called spirits and they extract spirit. So when I use like vodka in my um, tinctures, like when I put vodka in with certain plant medicines, it's to extract the spirit of the plant. Mm. So when we, like if I have mm. a, a drink, I feel my vibration start right. to, to drop. Right. So when you're in that, that's your constant life where that's how you let loose, blow off some steam, relax, you are literally lowering your vibration and you're doing that as like a hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a coping mechanism. That right. becomes a pattern of your behavior. Yeah. It's so unhealthy. But here's where I think I'm seeing the difference now. And maybe this was like, maybe like the younger generations, I'm seeing a shift. But I think, you know, for those that are like, early 20s you know like you know because they've hit the age where they can drink like that becomes like you party on the weekends you party all the time you party 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 right but I also find like a shift is happening where there's more women's circles taking place there's you know women are wanting to go to farms and Mm -hmm. and do flower headpieces and to do um woman healing and you know like yoni healing and that kind of stuff it's true I feel like it's on the rise it's becoming almost like more mainstream like that that is because women are going to their calling what is actually so innate in us Mm -hmm. do you know that the number of kids drinking is declining do you know that alcoholism in youth is declining is it really but don't be too happy why (laughs) because they're not just they're not just getting healthy they're, they're, they're shifting. It's not that they're consuming less alcohol and, and getting married and having kids. They're consuming less, al- consuming less alcohol so they can consume more pharmaceutical drugs because they're consuming more pharmaceutical drugs. So, uh, so statistically. F- so pharmaceuticals are going up for yeah. them and yeah. alcohol is going up. Pharmaceutical away. usage is going so up. So heavier, yeah. heavier, more addictive. Alco- yeah. And if they are doing alcohol, this is what's fucked. They're, they're not even drinking it like they used to because it's not hitting them fast enough. See, this new age of kids, they need everything. What's the word? Instant gratification. They need everything right then. So with, with drugs, you take it and very quickly you start to feel the whatever, the release of whatever it is, okay? Alcohol takes a little bit more time so for some people. Mm-hmm. So they soak tampons in vodka Oh, and put it up. And their, then they put yeah. it up their fucking yeah. Yoohoos and yeah. uh Yeah, I've heard that. And then they get wasted like instantly. Yeah. That's Can you fucking imagine that? <laughs> now that honestly is disgusting, but it sounds appealing to someone like me that can't stand alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't I just don't see it. Like I just can't see me being like I'm just gonna soak a fucking like, I just, you know what I mean? A, I haven't used a tampon since I figured out they were full of fucking chemicals in 20 years and I used a Diva Cup. So that, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't even do that because of that one reason alone <laughs> that I wouldn't want anything up there. 
Nothing. Nothing. Well, energetically, we're not supposed to put anything up. Like, like it, everything's supposed to, like, energy's supposed to move out. Like, it's a portal, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> you know what? I also want to mention, though, too, that around around the 90s, let's let's kind of, like, play back and forth between the, the eras, but don't forget about the 90s being, like, starting to hear about breast implants. Because I can remember Jenny, do you remember Jenny Jones? Do you remember Jenny yeah. Jones? Jenny Jones was a talk show host in the 90s. Everyone from this area knows who she is because she was from London. So that oh, was is cool. she? Yeah. My dad knew her when he was a kid. Um, she was like a Polish immigrant. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, her name's not Jones. It's like something Polish. But anyway. Um, so uh, she, I remember I was the first I ever heard of it. She had breast implants in the 90s and then did a show about how they made her really sick and how she was having them removed. It was the first time anybody famous really publicly kind of talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was the era, though, that you started to hear about women getting breast implants. And you, of course, heard of... It's like, again, I'm not trying to like make everything about trans, but it's, like, it's about trans and then detransitioners. You heard a lot about women getting breast implants, but they didn't tell you about the women getting them taken out. So they want to promote transitioning... But they don't want to talk about the detransitioners. But it's the same thing. So we're talking about, you know, in the 90s, this is when plastic surgery starts really ramping up and you start hearing about Botox. And then in the 2000s, it's all about injections, Botox injections. I know all these girls that, you know, were nurses that now suddenly are, they're not nurses anymore and they just full-time inject fucking, like, chemical syrups into women to fucking freeze their faces and nerves so they can't feel anything like it's insane well like watching housewives any like our neighbor like a retired guy he watches housewives of i don't know orange County. i don't know what the where they all are but um, he watches it to see their tits and asses though 100 percent, 100 percent. sometimes i'm over there with them and i'm like hmm. it's kind of mesmerizing when he's got it on because it's like oh, people live like this what are they, they're just yelling at each other about each other? Yeah, like, like it's so <laughs> it's just, absurd. Anyway, but it's like people want drama because that's their frequency that they live in. That's true. You know, and they yep. want more of that. Yep. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of women are coming out with saying like they're taking out their implants now because mm-hmm. it's been making them super ill. But again, we're not hearing about it enough and, and there's a big push for more and more mm. and more. So all these like, it's like, it's like to be a woman now, as you age, you are almost expected to get work done. Would you not agree with me? Well, Botox is, is really common now. Yeah. Right? Like I, and I, women talk about it so openly, whereas it was kind of taboo. That's People what I'm didn't want to talk about like their lip fills or whatever they were getting done, tummy tucks. Yeah. But, you know. Like I feel like it was, it was taboo-ish, but women were doing it. But I feel like now it's almost like expected and, and we're, and we're, you're hearing about the odd issue, but really women are, women are starting to talk about it. And I think we're starting to learn more too around like every time you do surgery or get surgery done, you're putting, you're, you're traumatizing your body. And also what we're learning around, um, the neurofeedback. So if you're getting Botox and you're numbing the muscles around your face, your brain doesn't get the neurofeedback of when you're smiling to release 
like the natural serotonin and dopamine and like the feel good hormones Mm -hmm. in your body for you to have that uplifting experience and to know joy and happiness. It numbs your, your actual feedback for that. Yeah. It's just, it's just so interesting that we will prioritize how to look, but not prioritize how to feel. Okay. But I'll go one step further, but they, it's how they do it. So so, so they, they'll, they'll pay for the treatments, right? But they won't do the work. Right. Like, oh, it's a quick fix, right? right? Like we're not, um, I, I'm not trying to like be egotistical, but, um, neither of us have ever had any work done. I mean, you're young. So you, it's like, fuck you. But like, and yeah, I, but could, I know people in their I 30s could use that are getting job. shit done to, in their twenties. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no, I know. So, but if you just ate well and didn't take drugs mm-hmm. and, got lots of sun and didn't put a bunch of fucking chemicals all over your face every day and then bake them in, you wouldn't have to go and do all that stuff. It's just so weird. Like the saying my dad has, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So why don't you just take care of yourself and then all that stuff kind of comes naturally. Yeah. But the more you, more shit you put into your body, the more you look like the shit you put into your body. You become what you, like... It's like you become what you eat. Yeah. You are what you eat. Like, yeah, that kinda, exactly. Like it's the same, same concept. So this is what feminism got us. It got us to this time where, where women are now accepting that this is what it is to be a woman. We have no real goals or, you know, aspirations other than a career. And then now we're into the 2020s. We've all hit, you know, our 40s and... Uh, single and uh, don't have a husband and don't have kids and have a career. Or on your second marriage or third marriage. Exactly. Second or third marriage, 100%. Mixed family, whatever. Like, how do you feel now? Did feminism get you what you wanted? Because I guarantee if you are on your third marriage, if in your first marriage, if your husband had had have went to work and supported the family financially and you could have nurtured and raised your child and had an environment for him to a loving and welcoming environment for him to come home to a safe Mm -hmm. environment for Mm -hmm. him to come home to um you could have built a life together and raised that that one child Mm -hmm. right and i can take my own advice on that like Mm -hmm. i i I get that you get Mm -hmm. that we've both been there before yeah um but that's just interesting to me that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm in my 40s now. Am, are we, like, did we, is that the dream? Was that it? <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? Honestly, it's like when I, when I traveled and I thought I was really empowered and like I had a lot of great times, but at the end of the day, I just wanted, I wanted to be able to share it with somebody and I wanted to like, like what we do with building our life together and mm-hmm. really fostering like a lot of love within ourselves. Mm-hmm. That is nothing like nothing so, beats that. Are you sure nothing beats it? Like maybe a polyamorous relationship <coughs> would beat it. Because then, because oh, then, because then we could have, um, then it could be, uh, we could have another person, right? And then so would they know, be on Mondays, Wednesday, Fridays? Though, well, like, we sh- that's a lot. Three days a week. I I know a lot of them that just get one day a week. It's all you get is one day. So if 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 it's not your night and you're not well or something happens and you need someone in your life that should be there for you, they won't be there. But that's okay because you get them one night out of 
out of the week. So that's something to strive for. And you know, what a fucking sad reality, women. If you are one of these fucking women that think that you're poly and you think that you've won and you've succeeded in life because you're poly. Like, I, I, I just, I, it boils my fucking blood. It boils my blood because I've known a few people and I've known one girl and I know she won't mind me um, talking about her because um, I, I always voiced, of course, I've always voiced how I felt to her um, because she's just the most beautiful angel, like fairy, okay? And um, and then remember she was seeing the couple that, uh, it was like a husband and a wife and she was kind of the third, she was like her third wheeling mm-hmm. the thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because I don't want to say her name. Yeah, don't say her name. But I know, but do you know what I'm talking about? I, yes. Okay. Um, I don't think you do. I think you think I'm talking about someone else. Well, you have yeah. a pen? Okay, whatever. Um, anyway, so for, for a while, she thought that was, she thought that was like her. Yes. You know who I'm talking about yes. now? Okay. So, so for a while, she thought that this was like really good and she was really happy and, and getting along with them and that this was like a good life for her and that this might be something that, you know, would be her her thing. And I just remember thinking how sad I felt because she's such a fucking amazing woman that she deserves someone's 100% mm-hmm. soul, heart, mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. body, everything. Mm-hmm. Every fucking minute of every fucking day of every week of every month of every year. Not one night a week, not weekends, and not you can't text all the time, you can't reach out. Either. It like breaks my heart to think about the women that think that this is what they want. Or that they deserve only or a that fraction that's what they of deserve. somebody. It's crazy to me. It's so heartbreaking. I, I do think of, you know, um, someone that we've known that ha- always has, you know. Look, I'm shedding a tear for I them. I know, I know. It, it I think it, because, you know, we have so much love in our in our unionship and like, to think that uh, because it is sacred unionship, and yep. when we have when you hear about couples that are unhappy and they bring a third wheel in to try to make their their life happier, or if like or if they have a kid to try to make their life happier, yeah. or they buy the next bigger house to try to make their life happier rather than dealing with the actual issues. Yeah, they're liberated. Yeah, and well, and they're just buying into like the quick fix mm-hmm. versus like the root issue, the root cause. And so when you bring in a third. A, we, a third person into the marriage to try to make things better it often doesn't work and that one person who feels like oh I, I love that I love them or I love the one person um, but there there's not full it's not one it's just not sacred it's not how can it be it can't be it can't be it's so sad it's compartmentalized it's so sad the other, um, the other, um, another person that we've known has always had like a polyamorous kind of life, but they are always the one where they say, I have a guy and a girl. I always have a guy and girl, but they're never together mm-hmm. and I visit them when I want, but I don't live with either. Um, that to me is avoiding attachment. It's so fucked. That's right? like, like, I don't, like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it when you're, when you're. 50 and your sits your sits your tits are saggy and you know like eventually you realize that your ego is fucked and that you're it's not about what this 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 body it's not about this eventually you realize it's not about this and 
and then you're like old and like your man and your woman that you used to kind of run with you know mm-hmm. they moved on or whatever and it's just you Wh- what does that look like like I I get the whole it's really sad you never know what's going to happen in life and you know my grandma lost her husband at an early age and that was really sad but um like what is life supposed to be like if you don't share it with someone well I don't think you ever if you ever have kids and you're in polyamorous relationships I don't believe that like you're role modeling what love looks like for your children and you're role modeling what healthy attachment looks like for your children so if your children see that you get to your parents are only together or your mom's got somebody else or dad's got somebody else or mom and dad are together just these days or there's somebody frank is here monday and wednesday like it's like then that becomes the normal where there is no nuclear family and and so that your values change to oh i can just like whoever whoever it's it's flow it's what do they say it's fluid it's fluid whatever yeah i think that's confusing oh Obviously. Yeah, I think that's really confusing. And obviously, if I sit with it in my body, it feels wrong. It's even confusing enough for kids that are from broken homes. Sure. That have yeah. like, like our situation where we have a healthy offset relationship with the other side and she does too. So even, even that's complicated. So yeah. imagine if it's... Blended families are complicated. And it's good. And so imagine mm-hmm. the ones that are like, it, it's... um. I think it's just this idea that we have to continuously outsource and have quick fixes rather than deal with what's happening inside. And again, in order to fully love somebody and put your heart into something, you have to fully love yourself too. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you will compartmentalize yourself. Does feminism teach that? Does feminism teach women... To love themselves? I think they do under the guise of self-empowerment. Like you don't need anybody. You know, like I don't need a man. I can do what a man does. Mm-hmm. Versus going, no, I'm I'm very capable. And I can also respect what you do. Mm-hmm. And I value you. Mm-hmm. And I cherish your abilities as I cherish mine. Again, it's the honoring of the polarities. Mm-hmm. And honoring, like, the harmony that that creates. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, again, like, me against you or I'm better or... Because I think that's what feminism separa- it's, creates. It's just it, creating separatism. It's creating, like, it's creating the division between the two. It's, it's, yeah. it's a head-to-head matchup all the time. Yeah. The Oh, the other thing around, around um, when you're going through the timeline and the nutrition, um, what's coming up a lot today is uh, the lack of testosterone and men needing testosterone injections. Mm. So we have like a significant health issue taking place with the divine masculine <laughs> because they, they are, their hormones are messed up just as much as the women's hormones are messed up. And so if we're, all of our hormones are disrupted, we have all these endocrine disruptions taking place, hormonal disruptions, we look to the environment for that. And our environment's very sick. And mm-hmm. we're very sick because we are nature, you know? So when we heal ourselves, the earth will heal, will, will heal itself too. Mm-hmm. 
I, I do firmly believe all of that comes from within. There was a great, um, I remember one of my yoga teachers saying this um, beautiful teaching in a class once, in order for there to be peace in the world, there has to be peace in every country. In order for there to be peace in that country, it has to be in every city. In order for there to be peace in every city, it has to be in every neighborhood. Mm. And in order for there to be peace in the neighborhood, it has to be in each home. Mm. So it comes from the home. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting way to put it. That really puts it into perspective of how important that is. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. What do you think about um, any, any more on anything in particular on, like, that we didn't, I know that we, did we talk about, like, did we talk about how, like, to be a feminist, we have to be fighting for trans women? How we've come kind of full circle from fighting for women, but did we, we didn't really touch on, like, let's just give a little note to the women that still don't have rights before we start fucking fighting for men who... To be women. Yeah, like, let's let's just give a shout-out to the girls in, in India um, that are still, you know, sold for a fucking goat at 12 to the fucking pedo next door and doesn't get to go to school. Remember that little mm-hmm. Milana or whatever, that girl that got sh- shot and raped on a bus? Mm. And remember that girl? Mm-hmm. I mean, now she's good for her. She's, you know, come come a long way from that. But those women exist still, like, high everywhere. Everywhere. We're having, we're allowing the U.S. border to be flooded with thousands of migrants that are being... They're bringing in children. It's all single men coming through the U.S. border on the southern side, and they've all got small children. Where are the mothers? No mother would allow that to happen. No mother would allow that to happen. I'm going to keep my kid with me. Yeah. And I will find safety, right? So... This is happening every day to, to girls and women, and, and yet here we're so comfortable. We have so much in North America. We have so much in the West that we've, we're fighting for men to be women instead of fighting for the women that still don't have basic human rights. Well, I think that's part of the, that's part of the agenda of the World Economic Forum, like the um, the seventeen sustainable seventeen sustainable, sustainable goals. goals, yeah, by the United Nations. Uh, that- yeah, United Nations, and that's part of like this the great world, reset yeah. by twenty thirty mm-hmm. is what they're aiming for, and, mm-hmm. and number five on number five the, on gender ec- gender equality equality. Yeah, and when you watch the video footage, which is propaganda. When you watch the video footage for for the equality piece, the story that they tell is like the. Um, <laughs> it's good, right? It's like it's if if you don't know that it's propaganda, this is what this is what we were saying earlier. Pulls on your communism. heartstrings. It's got things attached to it that There's you some want. Tr- it's like half truths. You don't There's want some truths to it, half truths, and so it pulls on your heartstrings, and then you get invested. Yep. Except that you have to buy into all of it. Yep. And if you don't, you are racist. racist. You're a homophobe. You're a transphobe. Yeah. 
versus saying, wait a minute, I agree with that, but I don't, that part doesn't make sense or that doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just divisional thinking. Anyways, if you don't know anything about that and the Great Reset, you need to look into that because that's, there's so much propaganda with that. It's just, it's just, it's just the same playbook over and over again, guys. It's really, that's all it is, is divide and conquer and uh, depopulate. They just want to depopulate. If everyone's gay, if everyone's gay and trans, you can't have, like, the, you can't have kids. Look at the numbers. The, there's a lie. There's a lie that there's too many people. It is not true. We've talked about this before. It is one of the fucking biggest lies. It, it like, I'm not sure about Elon Musk all the time, but that's one thing I do appreciate about him is that he he is open and honest about the fact that the world is not overpopulated, that the population is going down, the number of births every year are going way the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Like, way the fuck down. Well, and fertility issues are going way the fuck up. Right? Which is, which is, that, gosh. There's, there, that's kind of weird. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder. Hmm. Feminism. You know what? This is, this is, we didn't even talk about this, so I, we have to have five minutes to throw this in. 41 types of, of female birth control. Now, let's just talk about that for a second, okay? So in the 50s and 60s, this is when, of course, it all kind of happens around the same time, but this is when they start to introduce this birth control. This was unheard of before. So the number of women having f- uh, fertility issues, if you look at the correlation of a chart between the, in, the, uh, uh, invention of birth control and women's fertility issues. I hate to break it to you folks, but they fucking follow the same path. Right. Very similar path. Very similar. Almost fucking eerie, eerily similar. So they introduce all these methods of birth control for women and teach them not to get married and not to have one sexual partner, but to have many. And then guess what? Um, if, if one of the birth control methods slips up, there's always abortion. And you know what? I'm not here to have an anti-fucking abortion discussion. I'm not here to whatever. But I'm telling you right now, if you start asking people, if you went back and got footage of the 1950s, hey, what do you think about abortion? People would be fucking disgusted. And then all of a sudden they start marketing it in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now you're having feminists, fucking feminists, screaming for abortions for women's rights. So I think it's they, like they scream for it without knowing what it looks like, what happens, the trauma, that the trauma that it brings to the woman, and the years, the years. I don't think it's years. I think it's a lifetime. I lifetime. don't think you ever get over murdering your baby. I don't think you do. And you know what, this is, that's probably a really hard thing for women to hear, but I, I want, I'm sure that, and in fact, I 100% know, because I've had the discussion with women, this is not a topic that is easily discussed amongst women, but mm-hmm. I have had women, I have had the discussion with women who have had abortions, and I've never had a discussion with a woman that's had an abortion where they've said, I am so fucking glad that I murdered that baby. I've never heard that. You'll never every know that. every woman I've ever talked to that's had an abortion that's going to be fucking real says it was the biggest mistake that they've ever made, and it or that they them. carry yeah they carry so much guilt it and shame them. and there's so much pain from that. Yeah, yeah, but but that's not part of the discussion. Again, it's just that's the divisional piece. Again, it's like yeah. it's, it's just black or white, mm-hmm. but it's actually very gray, and there should be more yeah. discourse. 
I know, but I'm just, my point about that was just that they brought it in. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't something that was really, Mm -hmm. it was like, if it happened, it was so rare. An abortion was so rare. Right. And so like the normalization. The normalization of it it is is part of this depopulation agenda, this, this communist movement to depopulate. That's what it is because it's not, it's not innate in women no, no, and Planned Parenthood is extremely corrupt, and if you want to know really what the agenda is behind that, you need to do your own research around Planned Parenthood and the push for that, because it's very disturbing. Yeah, and how Bill Gates' dad was uh, on the board. The board for that. And they basically funded it. Yeah, so any, any like, big <laughs> movement, look where, follow the just money. follow the money. It's like, just George so Soros, Black Lives Matter, like, there's just, like, whoever's paying for these movements you got to question that um so anyways maybe we should wrap it up there yeah yeah okay i guess before i get heated on more abortion topics that people probably don't want to talk about but it's enough triggering for one day i guess (sighs) yeah um so again with love (laughs) with love with love with love um thank you if you listened just thank you if you listened (laughs) 